know with a certainty that that presence is you. Because that power, that presence is in each one of us, as each one of us, uniquely expressing as each one of us. We are God by our own name, and we express the individual aspects of that power, that presence, that joy, that love. And as we are able to express that, we share it with the community, we share it with the larger community, we share it with the world. And so what starts as creation with love, with exploration, with joy, funnels through each and every one of us and enables us to express outward into this world that same love, that same joy, that same exploration for all of the magnificence that is here. And as we feel that, as we experience that, let us move into knowing that it is absolutely true. Because as we make that claim, it becomes law. And as soon as we make that claim, it is. And so acknowledging that as we release any resistance to anything other than that, we say, and so it is. It's good to be back. It's good to be away. It's good to be back. You know how that goes? Yeah. I, uh, last weekend, for those of you who don't know, I was at the um, New Thought Conference down in Eugene, Oregon. Um, three days of music and speakers, and I did a workshop. A couple other people did workshops, and time to uh, labyrinth walk for me and, and, and others, and just go deep. And then from there, I went off to the Oregon coast for a couple of days and uh, took a deep dive and, and for, you know, for within myself, not into the ocean, into the ocean of my own subconsciousness and, and consciousness. And, uh, and it was fulfilling. It was really deep. It was really wonderful. So, uh, and I understand you guys got to experience my good friend Liz Moranti, Reverend Liz Moranti in the house. And um, she did a great job from what I hear. So I'm glad to be back. Glad to be here with you. You are a wonderful community. You are a wonderful group of people. I hope you know that. Yeah. Look at the person next to you and say, you're wonderful. You're wonderful back there in the corner. Okay. And I don't care if it's your first time here again. You're wonderful. You know, the kids, I got to tell you, I'm going to do a little aside here. I may wander and ramble for a little while. You know, this is how I am after vacation. The kids today are doing a little exercise where they're listening to the song, It's a Wonderful World, and they're blindfolded, listening to that and seeing what the images are that come up. And then they sit with a partner, and one partner has their blindfold off, and the other one is still blindfolded, and talks about the vision that comes up while the other one paints the vision of what they're saying so that they can have a reminder of that vision. And it's a reminder that also when we're into our stuff, we have a blindfold on. You know, I think of that song, Louis Armstrong wrote that song at a time when racism was so rampant and prevalent, and, and, and I mean, it's still going on, but it was really harsh when he wrote that song, and yet saw the beauty instead of the hurt and the hate. And we have the opportunity, guess what, to do that now, don't we? Have you paid attention to the, you know, the world? <laughs> 
I wanted to, before I get into my regular talk, I, I wanted to speak to that a little bit about just what's going on in our country. And, and, and because I don't know if you're like me, but it hurts. It hurts. I don't care what side you're on or what perspective. It hurts. And so I was, I was going to say something about it, and then my good friend Reverend Pat Campbell up in Calgary, British Columbia, did a wonderful post on her Facebook page yesterday that I shared onto my Facebook page. And I want to just read it because I thought she did such a fabulous job on it. So she says, like many... And she's American, by the way. She's an American uh, transplant into Canada, being the minister up there for five years, but she's still an American. So, or resident of the United States, because Canada's part of America, too, as is Mexico. We're all Americans. Like many, I am upset and unsettled by all that has happened in the world of U.S. politics in the past few weeks. Mostly what I am upset about is how utterly divisive it all is. I am reading posts from all sides that make me want to cry. It's all so ugly. Have you felt that anybody who's been on Facebook or any kind of social media? It's just ugly. However, the divisiveness didn't start with one person, one event, or one election. It is deep and profound. It is also happening in other parts of the world. There is an old-time metaphysical term called chemicalization. Simply put, When a new idea is coming into fruition, everything unlike it bubbles up to be healed or dissolved. It can be ugly, hurtful, and ultimately necessary. And when she wrote that, I thought of the caterpillar to going to the butterfly. The caterpillar has to completely dissolve. And then even when it forms into the butterfly within the cocoon, still has to wrestle its way out of the cocoon. And you know, they don't all make it, by the way has to wrestle its way out of the cocoon. And so we're in that dissolving period. But the butterfly lives within us, just as it does within the caterpillar. She goes on to say, I keep this in mind when my stomach is in knots. A lump forms in my throat, and I want to scream at the powers that be. Instead, I trust and know that I do live in a friendly universe that is here for me, despite appearances. In the words of Julian of Norwich, all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. In the meantime, I pray. I do my own internal work to heal divisiveness within me, and I vote. And while I was in Eugene, I heard a fabulous quote also that I'd like to, to mention, and I believe it comes from Stephen Cope in The Great Work of Your Life, from his book, The Great Work of Your Life. He says, if we're at war, that's internally, if we're at war, when we touch war, we create more war. But if we're at peace... When we touch war, we create peace. I invite us to be at peace, as challenging as that can sometimes be, and to feed your soul, to feed your heart, and to be at peace. John, in his opening prayer, said something about the name of God being your name. And I don't know if you caught that little subtlety or not, but your name is God. God is your name. Arthur C. Clarke, years ago, decades ago, wrote a short story called The Nine Billion Names of God. And it was at a time in the story when there was nine billion people on the earth. Each of us is the name of God. So look at your neighbor and say, you're God. Jesus, when he said, when he reminded people of his time, remember that it says in your scriptures, Know ye not that ye are gods. Remember this. You're gods. 
You and I, we're God in form. We get to create. So that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit today. We're going to, um, this month is our pledge drive month. Don't everybody run at once. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking pledge drive stuff. We have um, Rob and Halen are going to talk about it a little bit after my talk, just briefly. Um, I'm not, but I'm not going to really belabor it. We're all adults here, right? We know that it takes money to run the community. Okay? And so that's about all I'm going to say about that. We know the pledging is, is both a conscious commitment on your part. And I'll, I remember that, that wonderful quote from, I think it's W.H. Murray, who said, like, men, like um, who said, ah, let's get the other side of that, until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always in effectiveness. The moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that could never have otherwise occurred. And so when we commit to something, anything, when we commit, heart commitment, sign the dotted line, take a step forward, whatever it is that we do, when we commit, something happens. Spirit moves. And then the other practical thing is that it helps us who are creating the budget to responsibly plan for next year's budget because we have an idea of how much money you've said you're going to be donating for the year. And so we can start to make those, those arrangements. So that's my, pro- that's my pledge talk for, t- for the week, for the month. Okay, I'm done. What I am going to talk about is the consciousness that supports us in having a thriving nature. Would you like a thriving life? Would it be okay? Okay. And I'm not just talking about, I'm including money, but not just money, everything. Health, love, creativity, joy. Okay. Expanding in the, in the experience of that. And so that's what I want to talk about. And our talk, my talk topic today is spirit's bounty. Spirit's bounty. I got to stand at the ocean the other day for a long, long time. And there was a moment where I was looking at the vastness of the ocean. And I'm thinking, and this planet is a little teeny tiny speck. This ocean is so vast, and yet there's so much more beyond that. That is Spirit's bounty. And then there's more beyond that, by the way. And that is Spirit's bounty. And then there's more beyond, we can go that infinitely. So in this month's Science of Mind magazine, Dennis Merritt Jones says, talks about the difference between abundance and prosperity. And in his, his using of those words, abundance is the nature of spirit. It's the natural existence of spirit. Ernest called it, Ernest Holmes called it, our founder called it the extravagance of spirit expressing. The extravagance. The abundance. It's first cause. It just is, right? Prosperity is the use that we make of that abundance. How do I use it? It's the effect. So how do I take and channel that abundance? Joel Goldsmith says that supply, his word for abundance, supply is spirit and it is within you. What you behold in the outer world are the forms that supply assumes. So you and I can't see abundance as the principle or supply as the principle. We only see how it takes form. And guess who creates forms? We get to play with that, right? So infinite, experience, infinite presence excuse me, is continuously expressing its full bounty. It doesn't hold back. You know, think of the sun, right? It doesn't sit there and go, oh, that planet down there on earth, they're really messed up. I'm not going to shine on them today. It doesn't do that. It's just being sun, right? The ocean was just being ocean. It doesn't say, I don't feel very oceanic today. I'm just going to kind of play small today. It doesn't do that. Okay? More so, spirit's bounty doesn't do that. It's always on. Breathe that in for a moment. 
Take a really deep breath of spirit bounty. Feel it in your body. And we, we are hoses. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a hose. Now, be careful. Wait, wait just a minute. Be careful. That's not, you. we're hose. We're hoses. See, we regulate the inflow and the outflow of spirit, right? We regulate our own inflow and outflow. One of my favorite Emerson quotes was, we are inlets and we may become outlets for the divine. We're connected. Our, our hose is connected to an infinite bounty. An infinite abundance. And on one end of it, we have a valve that lets in and we control the valve. And then we have a hose itself that is either open and wide and big, or it's closed and messed up and full of junk. You ever seen a hose full of junk? You know, it's been sitting out in the yard for like over the winter, and it's got spider webs and it's got leaves and it's got stuff like that. And you've got to blow that stuff out before you get the full flow of the hose, right? Okay? And so we sometimes, and our consciousness can be like that, and so we control also not only what comes in, but also what flows out. By how we are. By our hose. And so our work, our work, is to be more open and to allow a more free flow of the abundance in our life. The abundance of love. The abundance of of everything. So I invite you to take a moment and just notice with me these words and notice how they feel in your mind. Can they pass through your mind, as a friend of mine says, without being mugged? Okay? Money. Love, health, joy, creativity, men, women, breathe, and just notice, do I have a clear hose? You know, yesterday when I was getting ready to, to write my talk, for, for some silly reason, I don't know why, usually I put on like kind of spiritual Hindu chanting music as I'm writing my talks. But I put on Ella Fitzgerald's Love Songs for Swingers yesterday. <laughs> Have no idea why. Swingers, by the way, was musical swingers. Okay, just so we're clear. <clears throat> and as she was singing about all these wonderful loving relationships and how wonderful it is and like that, I could hear my mind going, bullshit. <laughs> no, it's not. That's never going to work out. I can hear this cynicism. Some of you know my story. I have um, some relationship issues, history. (laughs) And so I had to notice that my hose is constricted in that area, which, by the way, is why in two weeks I'm going to go to the Undefended Love Workshop to sort of clear out my hose a little more. Okay? But I was doing some of that down at the beach. So we know that infinite abundance is everywhere, right? Yes? But that's like saying electricity is everywhere. It is. But if we don't realize it, realize, make it real. If we don't realize it, and if we don't connect with it, it seems to not be there for us, right? You have all the wonderful electrical power in the room that there is, but if I have no idea how to connect with it, and if I don't even know it's there, think of 300 years ago, Was there as much electricity as there is now? Do we know how to use it? No. 
So it seems as though it was not there. So we have to know it. We have to not know about it. We have to know it. We have to, as I like to say, get jiggy with it. My favorite Will Smith quote. So a simple country imam, which is a a Muslim worship leader, had memorized the Quran by heart, by listening to it, by hearing it being spoken when he was young. And so he knew this Quran backwards and forwards. He could quote from scripture and verse, and he was in love with the Quran, loved it. But he didn't know how to read or write. And one day he finally got to the point where he said, you know, I really do need to learn how to read or write so I can expand and be more. And so he went to this educated, learned imam that he knew, and he said, will you teach me to read and write? I want to be able to express more of who I am. And so... The imam said, the, the learned imam said, yes, I will, I will happily teach you to, you know, how to read or write. Let's start with the letter Aleph. Aleph is the first letter of the, of the Arabic alphabet. It's simpler, similar to the Greek alpha or our A, right? So he says, let's start with that. And so he drew Aleph and he said, this is Aleph. It's a beautiful calligraphy symbol, if you will. This is Aleph. And then he was about to go to Beit, which is the next letter. And the simply mom stopped and he says, no, no. He says, Aleph, oh my God, it's so beautiful. It's so magnificent. I'm so drawn to this. I'm so struck by this. Aleph, oh my God, I need to go home and contemplate this. And the imam was kind of, the other imam was kind of like, um, it's just a letter. Okay. You know, so the, the simple country mom went home and he contemplated Aleph for a whole day. He sat there and was with this aleph, this symbol, this, this letter. And finally, the next day, he came back. And so the learned imam, the educated imam, says, so have you had enough time to contemplate aleph? He goes, yes, I feel so full of aleph. Now I can go to bait. And so the imam said, well, first let's start by writing the word, the letter aleph. He says, so he drew it on a piece of paper. And he says, now you, he says, draw it with me. You draw it after me. You draw what I just drew. And so this simple imam took and picked up the pen, contemplated all that he had thought about this, this aleph, and he writes the letter aleph, and the paper bursts into flame. That's how passionate he was about that. I invite you to be that passionate about knowing spirit. Not just knowing about. Ernest Holmes has said we're overread and underdone. We're overread and underdone. We know our culture is very much about intellect and education. We know about stuff, right? We know about a lot of stuff. But how much do we actually know? And so to come to that point where you're not just knowing about it, but you're knowing it. Joel Goldsmith says the only value of any truth is in the degree of your realization of it. This, by the way, is what Jesus invited the young man to do when he asked him to leave behind everything that he had, all of his possessions, and follow him. Because what he, Jesus knew was, if you'll let go of the stuff that you've been hanging on to and thinking that that's your source, you'll discover your true source. So yesterday I was having a conversation with somebody, and, and I said, so, so what's your source? We were talking about income. and we, I said, what's your source? And the person said, well, it's, it's this and it's this. I said, no, that's your channel through which it comes. What's your source? And she got it, and she said, spirit. 
It says, so does spirit have other channels than just that to supply you? Is that conceivable to you? In the infinite mind, there might be at least one more channel through which income can come. And it's like, well, yes, of course. So can we be in touch with our source? Buddha, by the way, actually did this. He left behind his father's wealth. He left behind his wife and his child. And he says, I am, I am going out there to find out what will relieve suffering. And eventually he had to leave behind his companions. He spent five years being an ascetic, living on basically just the minimum, you know, a couple of nuts, a couple, few grains of rice or a leaf, you know, each day, and finally passed out in the middle of a river and, and had to be dragged out and fed so that he could be, you know, he could survive. And his, his companions all said, oh my God, you took food. We're, we're, you know, you're beneath us, we're leaving. And so then he sat down under the banyan tree after he kind of recovered from that and said, I'm not leaving here until either I find out the cause of human suffering or die. He was willing to go that far. He was willing to get that jiggy with it. Okay? And so we're invited, all of us, to let go of our belief in outer conditions, the stuff that's happening out here, and get into our, our source, turn to the one source, to clean out our hose and to experience greater peace in our lives. The Quran says that Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is within themselves. Allah will not change the condition of a, of a people, of a person, until they change what is within themselves. Sounds kind of like science of mind, doesn't it? So if we want to make a difference in the world, we need to be open hoses. So when somebody says to you, what did you talk about? What, did your, what was your minister talking about at church this week? You can just say, he was telling me to be an open hose. <laughs> Make sure you say that correctly. Next week, we're going to look at prosperity. We're going to look at the process of moving this abundance into form. But this week, I want to invite us to do three spiritual practices. Number one is contemplate the infinite bounty. Spend some time getting so deep with it that if you were to write something like that or draw something like that on a piece of paper, it might catch fire. Fall in love with this bounty. Look at it. See it everywhere. It is everywhere. I came home and I found a bounty of leaves, beautiful carpet of leaves all over my sidewalk. And the sidewalk's up the street. And it was so funny because I, I posted a picture of that on Facebook and several friends said, oh, that's beautiful. And then I had this one guy that I went to grade school with who said, you need to get busy raking those leaves, David. <laughs> like, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Contemplate this bounty. Contemplate it with the mind of your heart, not the intellect, the mind of your heart. Take it in with your heart. Know it. So that's your first one. Contemplate the infinite bounty. Secondly, clean out your hose. Listen to the mind chatter. Notice if, if there was any thoughts about money, your money, giving money to the church, any of that stuff, giving money to you know, paying your bills, anything, anywhere. Just notice the chatter and remind yourself of truth, that there is an infinite abundance supply. You're infinitely abundantly supplied, and all you need to do is open it, open to it. So just notice your chatter about money, about health, about creativity, joy, men, women, love, all that stuff. Just notice that and see if you can start to remember truth about that. And then third practice, be peace. In this world right now where we need peace so much, where we need people who can touch the hurt and the pain and the war of the world and create peace out of their own peacefulness, take time to be peace, which brings us basically back to the first one. 
contemplate the nature of the divine. So that's our three practices this week. Contemplate the infinite bounty, the infinite nature of the divine. Clean out your hose and be peace. Are you willing to play with that? Yes. Thank you. I'm going to close with a quote and a poem, and then we're going to have Rob and Halen uh, talking about the, our pledge drive in just a moment. And the, quote, the first quote comes from Dennis Merritt Jones from his book, The Art of Abundance. He says, Abundance is already yours by virtue of the fact that you have been given the gift of life. And inherent within the gift is an abundance of whatsoever is needed to sustain you, to prosper you in every way. In other words, you don't have to earn abundance. You have to learn how to accept it. Breathe that in. You have to learn how to accept it. And the poem is from Rumi. The source is within you, and this whole world is springing up from it. The source is full, and its waters are ever-flowing. The source is within you. Let's take a moment to move into prayer. Knowing that there is this infinite one, this infinite source, this infinite beingness that plays no favorites, that has no conditions, that has no agenda other than its own experiencing of life itself through us and through all the other ways and aspects of life. There is this one, pure love, Pure good, pure joy, pure life energy, this one, perfect peace. And because it is infinite, we have to be, we can't be outside of it. We can't be outside of that which is infinite. We are within that. And so we are literally one of this infinite presence. We are not drops in the ocean. We are oceans within our drop. The ocean within our drop. We are embodiments of all of spirit. We are embodiments of that love, of that abundance, of that good, of that joy, of that peace. We are that. This is our nature already. We don't have to earn it. And so I speak my word that we accept that now more deeply than ever before, that we contemplate, that we know, that we let our hearts become so full with that infinite presence, that we fairly set ourselves on fire with love. Charles Fillmore said, I sizzle with zeal. We let ourselves sizzle with this spirit, be on fire with it, be impassioned by it. No, it's not socially acceptable, but it is spiritually powerful. And so we allow this love, this good, this joy, this peace, to be us, this abundance of good, to be our nature and to express that nature. And I'm so grateful for each of us who are willing to say yes to this and move it as far as we can into our practice, into our experience, so we truly, truly, truly know to a greater and greater and greater degree this beautiful abundance, this bounty of spirit. And so I release this word into that which we call the law, that process that moves it into form and experience. We declare the what, we let the law provide the how, and we so we declare this, that we are willing to know spirit and embody spirit and be spirit on earth in form right here, right now, more powerfully than ever before. We're here to be clear conduits of that infinite 
And so it is. So in the teen room, we learned about like taking off the blindfold of anger or confusion and letting ourselves see the happiness in our life that's there constantly. And as an activity, we talked to each other a bit about a time where we felt really happy. And then based on the other person's story, we created a painting picture or attempted to of what we (laughs) of the feeling that we got from that we read a story um, that was about a boy who had a blindfold of anger and he didn't have a father that's why he was angry and then his mother secretly signed him up for baseball then when he found out he thought he was going to lose, but then once he practiced, practiced, he got better, and his blindfold disappeared. Then we drew, <clears throat> drew pictures, and they said thank you on them. <laughs>